Whatever was written, verse 4, in earlier times was written for our instruction, for our teaching. The Bible was written for our teaching that through perseverance and the encouragement, there it is again, of the scriptures, we might have hope. Did you know that that's why God wrote this book? It was written for our teaching that we might be encouraged. Now, the book itself doesn't do the encouraging. Read on, verse 5. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind. God is the one who gives us strength. He's the one who gives us perseverance. He's the one who encourages. He is the comforter. It is the Holy Spirit who encourages, but He uses the Word. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue on our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, The Ministry of Encouragement. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Do you know God's comfort today? Has He brought you through some real thick times? Then look for opportunities to help those who are in some deep times. Has He been your encouragement just through the mundane of daily life, facing the same old problems and the same old circumstances and seeing no relief out there, have you found comfort from Him? Then comfort one another. And listen, ten times, ten times in five verses, just listen, it's almost hard to read. He uses the term so often. But look at verse 3, 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. And uh, Paul, you know, if you're familiar with that letter, he talked about his afflictions. He had been afflicted. He was depressed. He was discouraged. He'd been afflicted on every front, and he had found in every circumstance, even the deepest of depression, he says, I despaired even of life. He clung to the God of all comfort, and he found comfort. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, and he said, now I'm able to comfort others in similar afflictions. And when God brings you through tough times... It's not only that you rejoice in the comfort you find in Him, but you become then a source of His comfort to others. And that's why He comforts you, that you might comfort others. Now, to appeal, uh, to urge, to exhort, there's one sense it's a strong term. And, in fact, it's translated in evangelism sometimes, we beg we beg you, be reconciled to God. You know, when you're gripped with the truth, I was telling Chris, and she was, and I forget who said it first this week when we were talking, why is it that people will choose death over Christ? They'll choose boredom over Christ. They'll choose emptiness. They'll choose despair. They choose, why? 
And it made both of us, and we were just sitting in the family room, there was nobody to exhort except each other. But it made us want to exhort, beg people. We beg you, be reconciled to God, Paul said. If you're here without Christ, let me just stop and say, why would you go to a Christless eternity when Christ is waiting for you and saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come to me, you guilty ones. I'll give you forgiveness. Why would you turn him down? I appeal to you. So there's a strength to the term, but it seems it always has a corresponding softness because it is this word comfort. And the truth is always cushioned, you might say, when we exhort with this character of God that He is the comforter. So even as I appeal to you to come to Christ in evangelism, for instance, Peter said, be saved from this perverse generation in Acts 2. And the Bible says He exhorted them with that phrase. He encouraged them. Be saved. So there's a strength to it, but there's this comfort because if you'll come to Him, there is comfort in Him. There is always this soft side of it. You know, the best example, turn over to Acts 4. Acts 4. When I think of the gift of comfort or exhortation, he who exhorts in his exhortation, the best New Testament example, I think, is a man that was so characterized by it that he was uh, nicknamed by the apostles. The apostles called him son of encouragement. Son of comfort, son of consolation, son of exhortation. I mean, you talk about an exhorter, this was the son of exhortation, you know. His name, of course, we know as Barnabas, verse 36 of Acts 4. Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement. He was so characterized by this trait that though his name was Joseph, they called him Barnabas, son of encouragement. The apostles called him that. And it's kind of interesting to watch it fleshed out because even as I said last time, to see this in life is is helpful. To see it in someone's lifestyle, their character, helps us see what the gift of exhortation looks like. And it's interesting to me to just kind of track it through. Turn over to Acts 9. Acts 9. When uh, Saul of Tarsus had been converted, you know, that was not something they took casually, the early Christians. They were fearful of Saul. He was a persecutor. He was on his way to Damascus to kill Christians, to drag them out of their homes. He had papers. And so they rightfully, it seems to me, they were fearful. Who is this guy? He says he's become a Christian. now. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. It's just a way to find out who who we really are. And he'll come in and expose us and persecute us. So they were afraid to associate with him. And you remember, he was uh, facing pressure right away. And uh, when many days had elapsed, verse 23, the Jews plotted together to do away with him too. He didn't have any friends because he'd become a Christian now and the Christians didn't trust him. Their plot became known to Saul. And as they were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death, but his disciples took him away by night and led him down through an opening in the wall and lowered him in a basket. And he came down to Jerusalem and he was trying to associate with the disciples at Jerusalem. And they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. I mean, that's understandable. But, look at verse 27. But 
Barnabas. But the son of encouragement took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he'd talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of the Lord. That's what an encourager is like. He came alongside Saul. And we read, everybody else was afraid to, but he came alongside Saul and stood with him. He is an encourager. And by the way, since we're here, look down at verse 31. Uh, that whole time period, verse 31, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It, Exhortation, comfort, consolation, encouragement, it's of the Holy Spirit. It's His. And when the church is being built up, it's in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And this is a body-building kind of a gift, but it is definitely the Holy Spirit who does it, whether it's in Barnabas or anybody else. Chapter 11, look over chapter 11. Verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them, Greeks were believing, Gentiles were, large numbers were coming to Christ. And the news about them reached the ears of the church at Antioch, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he had come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to teach and correct and rebuke. No, he began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. They sent the right guy, I think. He began to encourage them. That's what he did. When he saw the grace of God in people's lives, he would encourage them to hang in there, to stay resolute in their devotion to the Lord. For he, verse 24, was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. You know, when exhorters do their thing, God will work. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we will be exhorters. And those who have this gift, will it will shine all the brighter. If we're controlled by the comforter, we'll be those who comfort, and the body will be built up, and oftentimes considerable numbers will be drawn to the Lord. Uh, I believe that this goes hand in hand with evangelism and teaching and serving and exhorting. He who exhorts in his exhortation. Okay, look over at chapter 14. Remember, Barnabas was a teacher. He and Paul and other guys were teaching there at Antioch, and the Holy Spirit set them apart for ministry, and they went on what we call the first missionary journey. And after they had completed that, or as they were completing it, I suppose I should say, they... Uh, down in Galatia, chapter 14, we'll start it just, just to see verse 21. After they'd preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Tyconium and to Antioch. This is Paul and Barnabas. After Paul has been stoned and left for dead, going back to the same places throughout the Galatian region, verse 22, what were they going back for? Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them 
to continue in the faith. Do you see that common thread? Encouraging people to hang in there. One of the parts of exhortation that we need is that it encourages us. If you try to live in isolation as a Christian, like some are trying, like I guess many are trying that say they're Christians today, but don't want to spend much time with other believers. If you try to just do your own thing and you just use your weekends to get away or whatever, you're not getting the encouragement you need. You're not getting the comfort you need. We need to be encouraged by one another. And Paul came back and Barnabas, and they encouraged them to continue in the faith. And then uh, look over at chapter 15. Chapter 15, when uh, there'd been the council at Jerusalem and they were going to send a letter back to Antioch, why uh, they decided, verse uh, 22, it seemed good to the apostles and elders there at Jerusalem with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas were going back, and so they called Judas and Silas, leading men, and they sent this letter back to Antioch. Now, uh, it's interesting to just kind of watch what happened. Uh, They came, and so, verse 30, when they were sent away, the letter, the text of the letter is given, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its, what? Encouragement. The letter, the written instruction from the church at Jerusalem was a great encouragement. And when they'd read the letter, everybody was encouraged. And Judas and Silas, these two that came with Paul and Barnabas, verse uh, 32, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. They encouraged and strengthened the brethren. And by the way, don't miss the end of that verse. Did you read it? With a lengthy message. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's three points I'd like to make about... No, I won't do it. We'll just let it go. But uh, it's an encouragement to the healthy believer to spend some time in God's Word, to hear God's Word applied to life. And then... Uh, but I don't want to pass over this. After some days, verse 36... Paul said to Barnabas, let's return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. And Barnabas was desirous of taking John called Mark along with them. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And as he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul and Barnabas decided, let's go back and minister. And Barnabas said, yeah, let's take John Mark, this young guy who'd kind of deserted them on the first trip. And Paul said, no way. I'm not taking him. He deserted us. Now, I'm not here to talk about who was right or wrong in this. I'm here to illustrate something. Paul was no... Barnabas. He was an evangelist. He was a preacher. He was a missionary. He was a teacher. But he's not the kind of guy that you'd nickname Barnabas, son of encouragement. Now, he exhorted, don't misunderstand me. But Barnabas was Barnabas. He was Joseph, but he was called son of encouragement. And his gift came into play. And Paul said, look, I'm not taking that young guy. And Barnabas said, I think there's value with him. Let's take him. Let's give him another try. I want to come alongside and build him. And they went their separate ways. Now, I think God 
often uses just that sort of thing. Sadly, it happens. Bible doesn't whitewash over it. Uh, division even occurs in ministries, and God in His grace, there'll be two churches. Instead of split churches, there'll be two churches after a while. Praising God and being glorifying His name, and two mission agencies, etc. And Paul and Barnabas went their separate ways. Barnabas used his strength, and he took Mark, and he built him. And Paul's last letter, 2 Timothy, when he's on death row, and he says, everybody in Asia deserted me. You know, I'm really alone here, Timothy. Send Mark. Send Mark. Mark had been built up in the faith by this Barnabas type, and who was Barnabas, the encourager, and his gift had been used. And I'll tell you, uh, you and I need to use, there is great need for this ministry of exhortation. If you're gifted to exhort, do so. You say, I don't know if I am exhort. Oh, comfort, comfort my people, the Scripture says, Isaiah 40. Who doesn't need real encouragement? Who couldn't have used some encouragement here in the room this last seven days? When was the last time you went a week without need of some comfort and encouragement? There's always need for exhortation. And whenever God's Word is open properly, there will be exhortation. And it's giving biblical perspective. It is using the book. Look over at Romans 15, uh, back in Romans. Whatever was written, verse 4, in earlier times was written for our instruction, for our teaching. The Bible was written for our teaching that through perseverance and the encouragement, there it is again, of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Did you know that that's why God wrote this book? It was written for our teaching that we might be encouraged. Now, the book itself doesn't do the encouraging. Read on, verse 5. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind. God is the one who gives us strength. He's the one who gives us perseverance. He's the one who encourages. He is the comforter. It is the Holy Spirit who encourages, but He uses the Word. So when you exhort... Use the Word of God. Apply the Word of God to life. Now, uh, remember, there will be times when it will be strong. I mean, you don't need to turn there, but one of the strongest characters, it seems to me, in the New Testament, and one of the least Barnabas-like, in my estimation, would be John the Baptist. I mean, he came and he proclaimed the Word. But I read in Luke, you know, John said, as for me, I baptize you with water, and he who is mightier than I is coming. I'm not fit to tie his shoes. He himself will baptize you in Holy Spirit and with fire, and his winnowing fork is in his hand to clean out his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. He's going to burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now that, to me, is an Old Testament prophet. That's an evangelist. And he's saying, there's going to be judgment. God's going to separate the wheat from the chaff, and there's going to be unquenchable fire. But I quit reading. Let me read on. So with many other exhortations, also he preached the gospel to the people. What I'm saying here is this. If you're a Barnabas, oh, encourage God's people, but don't misuse the gift. If there's... A proper use, there's always an improper use of the gift. If we have strengths, we almost always have the corresponding weakness. Don't we? 
And we're just built in a fallen world. We're just that way. And so it's always good to think, what is that corresponding weakness? And I would suggest it is this. The Barnabas among us, the encourager, might be tempted to never, ever use the stronger side of exhortation. You might be tempted because you come alongside and want to encourage to never rebuke. In other words, you might become a false comforter. Don't do that. Uh, Don't say comfort when there is no comfort. Or don't comfort or encourage someone in their sin. Sometimes that happens. And that's something to be aware of. No, we encourage in the Lord. We take God's truth and bring it to bear. And you know what? An encourager is even able to rebuke sin in an encouraging way. That's part of the gift, I think. And I think we should all remember that we're not to exhort on merely the soft side. There is the John the Baptist side of this, so to speak. And uh, Jude opens his epistle by urging, appealing, pericoleo, encouraging us to contend earnestly for the faith. And then he writes a one-page letter about the evils of the last days. But it's a very encouraging letter. And so keep that perspective in mind. I already mentioned Peter saying to be saved from this perverse generation. And I doubt, I don't know, I mean, we we ought not to speculate too much, but Peter was a strong person. He was in a rough, got some rough edges kind of a guy, but he used this exhortation often in his epistle. And in fact, as he closes his epistle, I think it's the 12th verse of chapter 5, right at the end, he says, I've written this exhortation to you. He saw his whole epistle as an exhortation, and he exhorted and encouraged the fellow elders. And so uh, keep those things in mind. As I close, let me just say this. Exhortation is acting like Christ. The Holy Spirit is the exhorter. He's the comforter. He's the helper. He builds the body of Christ. And when we exhort, we are acting in His power, by His strength, in His way. And it builds the body of Christ. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but encourage one another. Encourage, comfort, build up one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. If ever there was a day when we needed to be exhorting one another to hang in there, to not give in to the pressures at work, to not feel that the proper thing is to say it politically correct, but to say the truth. If ever there was a time when we need real encouragement from one another, whenever there was a time for exhorters to really build up and hold the line in the body of Christ and to comfort one another, it's as the day draws near, and the day's drawing near. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Ministry of Encouragement, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're continuing to see new growth in the Romans Project on the continent of Africa. Recently, we've added the countries of Guinea, Mali, Togo, and Ivory Coast to the ever-expanding outreach of the project. 
We'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry or become a partner with us as we minister to pastors and church leaders throughout Africa. Just navigate over to romansproject.org or connect with us at facebook.com slash romansproject. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, same times, and radio stations. Our new website will be abideintheword.net. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to the new site and check it out? There'll be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's abideintheword.net. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. When he says, he who gives with liberality, obviously, the word means more than sincerity and simplicity. It has the idea of liberality, generosity, a gracious, giving, overflowing type of thing. Christ himself is the example of this. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. What a statement of Christianity. What a statement of our Savior Christ. We should give like he gave, selflessly, putting others' needs first. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Giving with Liberality. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.